Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Where are we, Ned? Well, we're not in the United Arab Emirates any longer. Left that behind us. Nor are we in Antalya. No. Hey, do you know what's happening in Antalya today? No. I was, I, my ears pricked up on the radio when I was uh, listening this morning. The foreign ministers of Russia and Ukraine are meeting. They're having a summit. In, in Antalya, yeah. And it did cross my mind to wonder whether they were meeting in the, what was the hotel called? Accra. Accra. Yeah. Akka. I could see that, couldn't you? That'd be a perfect place for it. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah. good. I hope it goes well for them. I do as well. I think we all do, don't oh, we? It's horrible. Isn't horrible. it just? Yeah. Unimaginable. Yeah. In the meantime, we have Paris-Nice going on. We do. Should we sum it up for people? Because not yeah. everyone. I get the sense. I don't know. I don't know how many people actually watch Paris-Nice. I mean, I shouldn't be saying that probably because... Hundreds it, of thousands. I mean, obviously, Millions, David. Millions, maybe. Mm. Across the globe. Yeah. I mean... But it is interesting, isn't it, how for the likes of you and me and lots and lots of our listeners who are heavily into their cycling year in, year out, season in, season out, month in, month out, Paris-Nice is a real big one, isn't it? And it really matters and you look forward to it. It's but the first big race, isn't it? Because, I mean, Strada Bianchi obviously we had, which is a big race. Yeah. But it's only, and we talked about this in commentary and we've had the, 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 the wonderful contrasting experience of Antalya, which yeah. is not... A world tour race. How about your? How's your bid going? I'm getting the jerseys yeah. for entire leadership. Chapter three it's, jerseys. It's kind of gone quiet. Has it gone quiet? I haven't followed it up. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do that. Don't yeah, you? I got to do that. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just. I'm trying to figure out so many other things. Yeah. And Talia's not at the top of my mind for leaders no. jerseys. Okay. Um, but, but when yeah. we started commentary on Sunday, it was such a joy to watch. A, and it was a good race. Yeah, it was. And it was so many big names, and they were all racing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I knew loads of people. Yeah. Because I didn't know anybody. Even you didn't know people at Antalya. Oh, I didn't know anyone. No, and that, that made me feel good. I didn't know anyone. But Uno X. Uno X. <laughs> Brothers. Oh. <laughs> um, got? So we came into it, and, and on the first day, it was, wasn't windy. It was a nice day. They did a loop round, start and finish in the same town. Yeah, we need, to t- we need to talk about stage one. Stage one. And we need to talk about what that. happened was it looked like it was going for a kind of sprint finish. There was a 1.2k climb, 7k's, 12k's in the finish. Should I get my notes out? Yeah. This is like, this is what you do for the road book. You get keeping track of races. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, wow. on stage That's one. amazing. Um, 5.7k from, from the finish. With a very Paris Roubaix, no, not Paris Roubaix, Paris Nice name as well. The Cote de Bruyère Robert. Uh, They're never simple, are they? No. Paris- well, today, what's today's stage? Well, it, today's stage was ridiculous. It went from Saint Just Saint Rombert. That's the name of the village. <laughs> Where do you live? Oh, Saint Just Saint Rombert. <laughs> well, one saint, not enough. Where are you going to today? Well, I'm going to go to Saint Sauveur de Montagu. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so Paris. Why is that? I think the, small, the, the rule of thumb for me in France is the smaller the place, the longer the name. That's pretty. Yeah, at the screen. yeah, it's true. Paris, five letters, really big city. Well, it's probably Paris. Probably once <laughs> when it was small, well, it was Ile de France. Yeah, it, you know, the more popular it gets, the, sh- the more abbreviated it gets. <laughs> it sheds consonants, <laughs> it sheds, sheds names. <laughs> anyway, five point seven k to go. Climb. So coming into it. Um, Yumbo Visma yep. started to kind of hammer. There hadn't been crosswinds, which is normally the thing in Paris Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> but all of a sudden, Yumbo Visma went to the front and started stringing it out. The peloton was in a big, big string. And we'd said before, because they'd gone through the first lap, there'd been a breakaway and they'd reeled that in. The peloton as a whole, multi teams, had ended up bringing that back. Mm. So it looked like it was going for a bunch of sprint. Because who, yep. are, the, who are the sprinters that are here? Jakobsen, Philipson, yes, Grunewagen. Some, some good names. Yeah. Big names. Pedersen. Yeah. Um, Bennett. 
Bennett. Yes, Sam Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some big names. So we expected it. And they only had Cocktail. the first three stages. Yeah. Because then it was a time trial and then we've got the yep. four mountain stages ahead. So it was kind of, well, it's going to be a bunch of sprint because they'll control it. And then Jumbo Visma just went to the front about four Ks before that 1.2 kilometer K climb that summited 5.7 kilometers from the finish and just went go time. Yeah. And strung it out. And when they hit the bottom of it, they hit it almost as a sprint and pilos. Nathan Van Hoydonk. Nathan Van Hoydonk. Rohan Dennis had done like a lot of work during the day, doing different things. And so you had, and then all of a sudden Christophe Laporte hit the front. He did most of the climb. And he? he smashed it. And then all of a sudden, to be clear, there was no attack at the front. It was just people were just getting piped out. Yeah. We were, gaps were opening up. It was essentially a, uh, it was a death match. It was everyone you could just see was just holding on for dear life as Jumbo Visma were just ripping the peloton to pieces yep. to the point where Christophe Laporte, when he went, he kind of, he had his teammates on his wheel. He had Primus Roglic and Wout van Aert. And there was a third... I think there was Florian Seneschal, wasn't it, from Quickstep, who just about... But you know, I, I read after it was Stiebar. Was it Stiebar? Stiebar. It might well have been. Yeah, it was, it was from a distant helicopter shot. So like, Stiebar. Yeah. And so then Stiebar yeah. was with that them, and then and Laporte dropped yeah. back, and Stiebar started to get drop-off yeah. Roglic and Van Aert. And at this point, there was Adam Yates tried to bridge from behind. That's right. Couldn't. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Stiebar couldn't go, and then Laporte came off Stiebar's wheel and bridged back up to his teammates. Yeah. Um, Roglic and Wout van Aert they came over the top by this point Adam Yates couldn't, nobody could go it was in pieces behind and they just went and then they, nobody could do anything about it it was about 35 riders behind and they finished 1-2-3 one, two, three. One, and, two, and, three. and obviously you know quite rightly they, they allowed mm. Christophe Laporte the, mm-hmm. the honour of taking the stage win which is probably his biggest you know, yeah. achievement mm-hmm. um, now we need to talk about this don't we because uh, this is easier to talk about in a podcast, frankly, than it is in a short highlights program, isn't it? I, but, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Well, suspicions, you know, oh, I, raised yeah, eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 so it, it rings, it, it's a rare thing, isn't it? So a one, mm-hmm. two, three from a team is a rare thing. Gwis Balan Mape. Gwis in, um, what was it, in the uh, Flesh Vallon? Yeah. And Mape, more famous than that, Paris Roubaix Mape. Yeah. Yeah. In 90... I think that's the only two times happened in big races. Yeah. 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 Um, there may be other, other occasions, but yeah. uh, instantly you go, oh, that's not right. No, it doesn't so right. this being cycling it is behoven upon us to say um, none of us know why Jumbo Visma rode, mm. how Jumbo Visma rode like mm. they did. And mm. I'm not going to sit here and say everything that Jumbo Visma do- are doing is above board, because frankly, I have no idea when mm. it's above board. That said, I have no evidence to suggest that they are doing anything that isn't above board. that's my disclaimer but what i would encourage you to do david is offer a racing explanation for Mm -hmm. how that managed to happen that rare thing not a single and think how strong the pyrenees Mm -hmm. peloton is Mm -hmm. not a single other rider was able to hold the wheel and finish with them yeah i'll give a so there's a few different things and i think you're right to say that and we have to talk about this is yumbo visma are now recognized as being the best team in the world um regards Everything they're doing, the the recruitment, the the training they're doing, the the equipment, their level of detail. They've basically taken the team Skybook, because I'll say Sky, not Ineos, and made it their own. And to the point where Ineos Grenadiers are chasing what Jumbo Visma are doing. And every other team is. UAE are getting pretty close now. Uh, and I thought what was really interesting about that first age was seeing Christophe Laporte. He's been on Coffee some French teams. And he was a different rider and he said in his post-race interview he's never worked so hard during the winter he'd done uh i know these are all cliches and it's what people say but i know from being coffee some french teams the kind of attitude i don't think it's changed much and he said in Mar- in february he was at a three-week altitude camp with yeah. the whole team he said not something coffee do right no not something he said he's far from his family which is kind of it's a very French thing because I guess on those teams, it's like, well, it's just what we do. It's kind yeah. of, it's what the big teams do. You're away a lot. And it was a racing style and a training that he's never done before. And it's raised his level. And he looks better on the bike, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think so. It just looks, yeah. it's just a kind of morphed. Just looks different. He just looks rider. better, stronger. And so my point with that being is that's, this is probably as good as he can be. Um, I can't see Christopher Laporte getting much better than he is now. But he's taken advantage of 
what they do. They're marginal gains that Jumbo Visma do. Yeah. And they just, they're, they're super pro. And it's one thing doing all that training, having all that equipment, having all that backup and support and the, the, the camaraderie and the team spirit and the motivation and the ambitions and the processes they have in place. But the way they raced was so cool. Yeah. They race hard. Yeah. And a footnote to this, and we'll come back to this. They race so hard. Uh, by stage five, they've all blown themselves to pieces. Exactly. <laughs> quite, it was quite reassuring. So, yeah, yeah. with regard to that discussion yeah. and the raised eyebrows, it was yeah. reassuring to yeah. see how much they've invested in the first three days yeah. paid on today's. Mm. And they, I, yeah. Rob, which was isolated, it was a different discussion altogether. Mm. I would also add to that mm. a couple of things. One is nobody expected that move. It was a hitter's yeah. move that no one saw coming. Actually, I'll just add to that as well. It's Primoz Roglic and Wout van Aert. Yeah. They're quite good. Two of the best bike racers in the world. Yeah. So it's normal they're going to be off the front. Laporte was up there, he's super motivated, and he just got on and he made it. Yeah. And he's in France motivated. But actually, if you think about it, it's Jumbo Visma is so good, they've got Rowan Dennis. Yeah. And the world champion. And that's what I said about the recruitment. It's not, there's no other team in, yeah. in Paris-Nice yeah. that's as good as them. Full stop on paper. And so it's normal that the two best bike racers, if you look at that start list, when Parini starts, the best two bike races in the whole bike race, head and shoulders, is Primoz Roglic and Wout van Aert. Yep. And so, obviously, on the first day, they just went out and had fun. And Christophe <laughs> Laporte was there with them, having yep. the time of his life and the greatest day on a bike ever. So, you look at it like that, it's like it's actually completely rational what they did. And if you zoom into the attack in detail, then it's... Um, I mean, So, I come back to no one expected it. It was a really, mm-hmm. a really odd... You know, it was a, good bike racing. Just really good, and yeah. no, but no one saw it coming, so it was right. like being punched from behind. Yeah, um, and the they rode it, they rode it like the final of a one day race, which is something you don't tend to do on stage one of a stage no. race, mm. and that's not something that's conventional. So it was an unconventional move. Yeah, and uh, again to kind of reassure people somewhat, the gap that they developed and took over the climb, then they worked as a three up time trial, fully committed to extending every possible advantage in terms of time that they could over the line, even though they knew they got the race mm. one. They carried on riding hard. The chase group was disorganized. Everyone was isolated. And yet, and yet, it didn't kind of blow up to something enormous. It wasn't. And Wat Van Aert actually a couple days later said, I was disappointed we didn't take more time. And so I think that that should reassure people Mm. that what they're doing isn't superhuman. You know, it didn't didn't end up with a minute. And Uh, and they just just pulled a really smart move. And Wat Van Aert was hanging. You noted that. I noted that. He was hanging. I mean, he was just good bike racing at the front. Primoz Roglic was still in his tights, his leg warmers, <laughs> you know. But uh, and Christopher Port was on the day of his life. Uh, but yeah, it was it was noticeable how deep they were going, and it was just proper bike racing. Two of the best bike racers in the world decided to just attack, yeah. and it's good. It's what bike racing should be. Yeah. Mm. Then what did we have? We had, then we had Jakobsen Day. Jakobsen Day. That was yeah, and yeah, stage two. And that, that was, was Crosswinds Day when that was it, super Crosswinds Day, sixty yeah. k's out and some pieces. Yeah, this is one of those very yeah. strange. Mm. Quite interesting. I remember talking to you about this last year that Paris Nice is often plagued, well, enhanced by crosswinds mm. because of the geography and yeah. the time of year mm-hmm. and the fact that 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 bit of France that you and I go to every year and we never know where we are mm. above, in between Paris and the Massif Central, mm. places like Châteauroux. Yeah, so I mean, no, where so are we? Departements, there, there be dragons. Departements mm. you've only dimly heard of mm. and can never recollect. Cabbage fields, long straight route nationale, and all that mm. sort of thing. Normally, though, the wind blows at this time of year from the west to so get westerly gales. But on stage two, it was easterlies, wasn't it? Mm. So it's really cold Blue and bright. Skies. Blue skies, Blue skies and crosswinds in Paris-Nice. It was yeah. quite a rare ph- like phenomena. Yeah, but it was so... The forecast was absolutely... Yeah telegraphed from way out that it was mm. going to happen and it duly did yeah. and uh, the, the people you'd expect to lose time lost time yeah it, that was, was, it was very classic Jao Albeda oh, yeah. <laughs> through the groups day of shames days of shame tell, t- tell the tell the listeners oh, yeah. about Christian so Dunderville 2008 or 9 Paris-Nice uh, it was one of those slipstream I think it must have been 8 before we were going does Van der Velde listen to this podcast no, I'll make sure, you've, make I'll sure, make sure where, where, where are we on it. Yeah, there's about a quarter of an hour in. I'll make sure he knows where it is. Yeah. Um, he won't have patience to listen to all that bike analy- yeah, analysis. Yeah, he's, he's, he's commentating for NBC in the state or some yeah. other channel, I think. 
Um, NBC, surely. No, no, they're doing something else. Oh. Yeah, with Bob Raw. Um, and it was it was a classic. It was like day two of Paris Nice, but it was grey and it was kind of wet, and there were crosswinds, and we were super motivated, and we were having a good day. I was on form, and we were at the front. Christian and I were leaders, and all of a sudden, he wasn't in the front front echelon with me, <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, this sucks. And uh, then, did, did you go back for him? It's every man for himself. <laughs> Got back to the team bus and had a good day. And then it's about five minutes later, or six minutes later, and Christian came in, <laughs> and he was just like, he looked so angry and just <laughs> angry at himself, and a little bit sad as well, and mostly just shamed. <laughs> and, angry, sad, and ashamed. <laughs> angry, sad, and tired, tired, and wet. <laughs> And I was like, what happened? It was like, oh, dude. It was like, I tried to take off my gilet and I got piped from the first group. And then I figured I'd just jump on the second group and I could see them coming. And I was getting wind. I was sprinting as hard as I could. And they just went straight by me. And I was like, oh, what? It was like, yeah, I couldn't even get on them. And I was at full sprint. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, but that wasn't the worst. I then did the same for the third group and they were coming up and I was winding up and I was getting going. I was going so fast. They went straight by me. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like like the fourth or fifth group that finally managed to latch onto. And he was like, seriously, dude, that was like a day of shame. (laughs) It was so good. I love the fact you said he hasn't got a sprint. I love that. I've never heard that that said about another rider. No, he's got zero. Zero sprint. Couldn't pull the skin off custard. That's amazing. And you need to be able to sprint to get it. Oh, you need to to be going. Crazy sprint. Ramp it up. Huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to be, yeah, a I lot. Love it. I like Christian. He's great. He's a, he's a he's legend. Funny. He's very good. He's a proper American broadcaster now, isn't he? Yeah, super polished. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. not like us. Yeah. So then, so day three. Uh, we have day three. Day three was Pedersen Day. Oh, that was Pedersen Day. It's yesterday. Yeah, otherwise was... known as yesterday. No, yesterday was TT Day. Oh, yeah. Otherwise known as the day before yesterday. Or if you're listening to this tomorrow, it was avant, day before, avant, avant, day before yesterday. Avant, 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 yeah. Yeah. Avant, yeah. Avant, yeah. Day three was Pedersen Day. Yeah. Can't remember anything about it, really. No. Was it, it a select group? Did people get yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, Jakobsen got dropped, didn't he? That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Because it was a kind of On that in, climb that nondescript hill that Jakobsen had said before the start, it's too difficult for me. Yeah. And, and we were like, looking at the profile. I was like, come on. Fabio, come on. Come it's on. Not too, you're bluffing. Yeah. And then it was first one dropped. I'm like, yeah, it's too difficult for you. Yeah. Uh, Which so, did yeah. make us wonder. We did raise the question about Jakobsen versus Cavendish and mm. Tour de France selection. Mm. Now, listen, I, I, I don't think Mark's following Jakobsen's results much. No, he won't be concentrating on Fabio Jakobsen's stream of victories in particular detail, will he? I wonder if Mark Cavendish <laughs> listens to Never Strays Far. Do you think he does? Yeah, 18 minutes in. At the moment. <laughs> She's sending WhatsApp messages to him. Listen, 18 minutes. Hey, listen, Mark Cavendish has been great ticking a, a lot of people recently. Has he? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. What? Yeah, it's just, I think, well, Pete's version is that when he is going well, you're, oh. less, you're less likely to get a response. Oh, yeah, no, because he's back into... He's back in, he's, we're he's here, and so yeah. we're, we're all, you know, unless you're kind of... Unless you're the shake of yeah. Abu Dhabi or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you could you could send him a link to this podcast, but he'd great at you. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to hear what I'm going to say. The uncomfortable truth that Fabio Jakobsen has won six races. So is Fabio faster than Mark? Is that... Do we think that? More consistent? See, I don't think... Would that be he, fair? When have they last sprinted against each other? Is, oh, is, well, is Lefebvre just going to play that game, is he? And yeah. just gonna keep them, he's not, he's not going to do a death match. <laughs> he should, shouldn't he? Just on an airstrip somewhere. Oh, yeah, just, <laughs> just go. Like Top Gear. <laughs> yeah. Just sprints after sprints after sprint. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I mean <laughs> at the moment, you'd... you'd, you'd I'd take you'd, Mark. Well, I know you would. That's because you, he gave you a watch. Well, I got stolen. Well, I know, but he still gave you the watch. No, it's got nothing to do with it. Also, he'd shout at you if you didn't take him and you're scared of him. Well, we don't talk to each other much anymore. Yeah. But but if he walked in here and started shouting, you'd be be scared of him. No, because he's not like that with me, is he? He's kind of. Has he never shouted at you? No. No, he thinks you're great, doesn't he? Yeah. Probably not so much anymore because I haven't been in touch for a while. (laughs) That's most of my friends. (laughs) But anyway, no. So 
Look, probably if you're Lefebvre and you have to make the selection now, you go Jakobsen just for sheer. I don't see. I just don't know what. I don't believe that. I don't think Lefebvre's thinking that. Jakobsen's never won a stage of the Tour de France. Well, exactly. Mark Cavendish has won thirty-four. Just, I just don't see the logic. I don't see. I don't think there's even a discussion. Sorry, I just don't think there's a discussion on that one. So, who's the fastest sprinter in the world right now? Mark Cavendish. Caleb Ewan won in Torino yesterday on an uphill cobbled sprint. In Tirano. Mark's not sprints even, come in all shapes and Mark's, sizes, is, don't Mark's they? at Tirano, isn't he? Yes. He's not even sprinting. See, this is a classic Mark move, isn't he? They're quite hard. The last two days I've been, mean, listening, to, I've been listening gaming. to... I've been listening to the commentary on mm. GCN Eurosport mm. with um, the immaculate broadcaster, Robbie McEwen. Mm, the immaculate. He's another immaculate. He's another immaculate yeah. broadcaster. He's a really good broadcaster. Anyway, um, and a nice guy. And what a sprinter he was. But they've been quite hard. So I've, I haven't actually watched any of it. I've been <laughs> listening to it weirdly. But from what I gather, they've been quite a lot, of the, not dissimilar to the Paris-Nice stages, you know, they've been climbs and all that sort of thing. And it's been tough. And he, I think he's found it hard. He's also had, he's also had a little bit of flu, Mark Cavendish, at Tirreno. Is so he doing, there are is he, is he doing Milan Sanremo, Mark? I would imagine so, but I don't know for sure. This is classic Mark Cavendish. If he's in Milan Sanremo, because this is what he did when he won Milan Sanremo, he just bluffed his way through Tirreno. Yeah, but come on. No, I wouldn't write it off. He needs to take every. If he's going, to, if he's able to win a race, he needs to win every single race in the in the death match, as you say, between him and Fabio Jakobsen. No, I'm not saying. I'm just talking about something else. What about if he's You're trying to win Milan San Remo? Yeah. You think Mark Cavendish is going to win Milan San Remo? I'm putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> Time trial. Uh, no, because I haven't completed my thought okay. about why why you might be right in the end. Lefebvre yeah. might well take Mark Cavendish yeah. for this reason that I don't think Fabio Jakobsen can finish the Tour de France. Mm. I think of all the sprinters, he and Dylan Grunewagen are... Actually, Grunewagen's finished it and won on the Champs-Élysées, you know, which is amazing. But I, I can't see Jakobsen getting through the Alps. Now, no, I looked at... I looked he's at, big, he's big dude. He'd have, he'd have maybe three sprinting opportunities that are not nailed on because you've got crosswinds and everything in Denmark mm. before the Alps. And then if, if Jakobsen doesn't get through the Alps, he's chucking away a lot of sprinting opportunities. There's two that come yeah. between the Alps and the Pyrenees. There's one after the Pyrenees, and then there's Paris. Yeah. So there's four more sprinting opportunities. So, I think and, I've got the right And here's up. what's disconcerting about... So Jakobsen literally run amok in that sprint he won in stage two. Yeah. Like May, while Van Aert was losing his wheel. Yeah. And then the next day... Yeah, he was in a different class, wasn't he? So that means he's peak. He's amazing. He's super fast. He's going well. Next day, he's dropped on a really easy climb. Yes. So it's not as if he's in bad form. Yeah. He's very vulnerable to that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's taking Mark Cavendish. <laughs> <laughs> Next day was a time trial. And, um. Oh, so that was really good. So, to, so Rowan Dennis. Do we have uh, to talk about it? Just briefly, because it looked on pro for like a really simple time trial. Yeah, it wasn't. It ended up being quite a heavy one. The long and the short of it is that Jumbo Visma got a one, two, three again. Yeah. Yeah. And Simon Yates did a great ride. Adam Yates disappeared. Rowan Dennis is a really good signing for Jumbo Visma. He is, isn't he? He loves it. I told you. I told you. Yeah, you knew that. So he'd be the glue. And you laughed at me. He's doing a gluey job on this race. He's doing a really gluey job. I'm not talking about a really gluey job, actually. That's exactly what I meant when I said glue. I I don't mean his, you know, slightly fractious personality and the way he ruffles feathers on the team bus and all that sort of thing. That's not what I meant. I meant in a race. Mm. He's gluey. Well, if he's he's given a, a job... He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it really and he, well. And he'll pull out and he'll do it at times when you don't expect him to do it. Yeah. That's the only reason Teo Gagenhart won the Giro d'Italia was because of Rowan Dennis. Yeah. Not the only reason, but... Yeah, he was quite good as well, wasn't he? He was really good. Teo Gagenhart was in a little at Tirreno yesterday. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, that's the first time I've seen him like doing really good racing. Yeah, games, he had it. I mean, by his own admission, he had it. Un, un, un ensemble un ensemble. Last, last year. Yeah, that happens. Um, but yeah, he was in that group oh, with really Philippe good. and Pogacar off the front yesterday. Yeah, that's in the closing, super cool. In the final. <clears throat> um, which brings us to today. And uh, I can't even remember what happened. Oh yeah, McNulty. <laughs> Literally the race finished half an hour ago and I can't remember what happened. And so, he's there on the screen and behind you. The <laughs> there he is. <laughs> doing his interview. I love Brandon McNulty. He's yeah. super... What is it, Arizona? Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. Of course Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. But he's got that geeky kind of... He's super, super geeky. You know, if he wasn't a pro bike racer, he'd be hacking Russian mainframes right now, wouldn't he? He'd be yeah. one of Anonymous or something like that. He'd be... He's one of them. Yeah. Super gifted, super intelligent. Yeah. Uh, kind of white kids from America. <laughs> and 
he's a bike rider. He's a bike rider. But I think it takes. I think it's that kind of personality that is required to do what he does. And he's the new Thomas de Ghent. He's not Thomas de Ghent, but he's doing what de Ghent used to do. Yeah, he's doing it in a a bit more of a tactical way. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, unfortunately, it's kind of proving the greatest fear we have, Ned, of yeah. modern bike racing, is that you have bunch sprints, summit finishes, time trials, and lone breakaways. Yeah. There are no longer these breakaways that have these tactical, wonderful finishes and sprint outs. It's just somebody, somebody's going to clip off the front from that breakaway and with 40Ks to go. God, that is true. And win on their own. And that's just going to happen forever now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It does. It happens a lot. Every single breakaway stage, like Tour de France you're last year. About, you're talking about the classic breakaway, like your victory in 2012. Like how I used to do, when used to do breakaways. breakaways would, I would, would the never and play the jump of an hour. I'd just wait for the sprint. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of more cat and mouse and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a clip to play. I've got a couple of clips to play, actually. I've listened. Which one are we going to well, do first? I, well, let's talk about Brian Robinson mm. for no good reason, really, other than... Well, there's all, there's no bad reason to talk about Brian Robinson. The you pioneer. know Brian, don't you? I know Brian. He's Tell like, us who Brian Robinson is. Mean, maybe people who don't know Brian, Brian Robinson was the first ever British bike racer to win a stage at the Tour de France. And he won the Le Jersey as well, Brian. Uh, no, that's Tommy Simpson was the first. Uh, Tom Simpson was the first. Um, but Brian Robinson was the pioneer. He won eight stages at the Tour de France, I think. Quite, you won a no, lot. no, that's Barry Hoban. That's Barry Hoban. Similar so generation, yeah. Brian won two. Two, but it was Brian that led led the kind of... Yeah, the whole foreign legion, if you like. Yeah, um, and uh, he was just kind of properly legendary. And Brian and oh, you and I've kept in touch with him, and especially when the Tour de Yorkshire was a thing, mm. um, and we were always on an annual basis going up to Yorkshire every year. We 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 catch up with Brian to some extent or other, wouldn't we? And um, he is an absolutely lovely. Human He's a gentleman, being. isn't he? I mean, just humble beyond belief, but wickedly funny. Yeah, he's got that really dark, dry wit. Uh, completely, completely. And he's come back into my um, thinking just recently, even though I haven't heard from him or been in touch just recently. Just by the way, um, Brian is now 91 years of age and still at home in um, where he was born in Murfields, the the the, um, the mm. village in which, yeah, in which he's born and still lives. So it's a wonderful kind of, mm. that generation that never moved, you know, yeah. except, except he had this kind of, decade and a half of his life where he was roaming around Europe competing in some of the greatest races on the planet winning them uh, along with I mean he's a great friend of Bahamontes yeah you know he raced with Onkatil went on holiday well, with Andre Daligard yeah all that I mean, she's probably kind of like yeah. Brian was right there Jacques Onkatil copy in, in, copy. in amongst it, them all yeah. you know and, and yeah. totally at home in yeah. their company yeah. and kind of you know an amazing an amazing story anyway he's come to mind recently because I stumbled across in, in on a hard drive um, s- uh, some f- video files that I rescued from a from the car crash that was the bike channel. Yeah. Do you remember the bike channel? Well, I, remember have- the, I remember the hype about it, and it ended up being a little bit of a somebody, a little bit deviant. It was a yeah, a crook, a crook. I can't remember his name, which is probably a good, good thing because yeah, if I could remember his name, I'd say it out loud yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, but the company went bust, owing lots of people lots of money, mm. and uh, as we kind of all knew it would, because it's one of those weird things the that were spending, they were spending far sense. too much money and getting yeah. no return on it. Yeah. And it's a shame because um, they ran away from their debts. Mm. <laughs> I knew where he lived, by the way, and I went, mm. I went to his flat in Vauxhall and banged on his door, and I knew he was yeah. at home. It's quite good fun. I don't know what I'd have done if you'd opened. I would have had to run away. <laughs> Excuse me, can I have my money, please? <laughs> like super British. <laughs> anyway. Um, Anyway, because uh, because he, they, they ran away from all their obligations, I managed um, to to s- steal is the wrong word <laughs> to reclaim um, at least two or three episodes of a series that I made for them oh, uh, called the Club, which in which I um, you released them. They went. They were aired. They were yeah. they were aired. You know, to an audience of three and a half on the Bike Channel. Um, but they're really quite nicely made programs. Are they on YouTube? Well, yeah, might do. I've got them on the. Have on you got, the have you got a Roadbook on... YouTube channel? I don't know. We'll set one up for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or develop the idea because go again with a different broadcaster or something. Because oh, they were nice. It, so the, the yeah. premise being that f- I'd go for a ride with a mm. British club mm-hmm. on a club run yeah. and meet all the characters. And we did one with Huey Porter in his club yeah, in, in the Hugh. West Midlands. Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. Did one with Maurice Burton at the De Vere Club in South London, oh, yeah. uh, which was great. Um, and um, Ravensthorpe 
were the club that I, I went to in Yorkshire, which is Brian Robinson's club. And he came out on the ride with us on this filthy day and took us up Holden Moss and he was riding an e-bike before, this is quite a few years ago, That's before e-bikes doing. were commonplace yeah. with like a great big, um, like a, like a visor, like a moped visor thing to Block keep the, the wind chill off him. That's yeah. So good. And it was sleeting. And for some reason we filmed all the episodes in like early February, late January. It was absolutely horrendous. And Brian was sitting on this club run on this e-bike, hammering out like this ridiculous tempo <laughs> and stringing us all out like that and took us up Holm Moss and made me race up Holm Moss. Mm. And he was already up there because he'd just gone up there on his e-bike where he's holding a Yorkshire flag at the top and it was <laughs> started to snow when we got up there and he was wow. cheering us all on. Um, and then after, after we'd ridden up Holmos, um, I went with Brian to his house in Murfield and, um, I said to him, have you got any memorabilia from your racing career? You know, did you keep bits and pieces? And he went, oh yes. And, um, he emptied onto his kitchen table the box loads of the most astonishing stuff, letters from the greats, you know, press cuttings from down the years, yeah. just bits and pieces. It was just, it was just amazing. And we waded through it and we had a chat about, um, uh, this, that and the other. And the final sequence of that interview that was edited down, it's only about four minutes, four or five minutes long into the program, uh, sounded like this. It's easy to underestimate just how good a rider Brian was, competing at the highest level on the greatest teams and on occasion beating them too. When one thinks of the British lineage from Cavendish to Wiggins, Boardman to Robert Miller and of course Tom Simpson, Brian Robinson, his former teammate, is every bit as important a figure. A remarkable rider, a remarkable man. Well, Brian, um, you've <laughs> you've got a box full of memories here. It's not particularly ordered in any way, but uh, it's a lot of decades that this um, this spans, isn't it? Well, it is really from what nineteen mid nineteen fifty. Well. Amateur days, of course, 1949, but, uh, you yeah, know, we go back a long way and some t- when I get on the bike now, I realise how, how, how long it is. <laughs> where did you train? I mean, when, well, well, where we've been where today, we've been? yes. Yeah. That was you, a favourite so ride, have, yeah. Those must yeah. have been, you must have ridden them hundreds, thousands of times over and over. Ridden, uh, quite a long time, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah and then you'll go over the top and, and come back the, uh, round the, uh, via Sheffield way, yeah. you know. yeah. It's so, not a coincidence, is it, that Yorkshire's produced, you know, yourself and so many others? That no, I don't think so, because yeah. Bra- Bradford uh, produced a lot of it. It was one of the centres of cycling with Wolverhampton, and uh, I had the advantage of training with the guys three years older than myself and going at their pace, so that sort of lifted me up a step, you know, which was stood me in good when... When I went to France, because you've got to lift up two steps when you go to yeah, France. I, mean, I was just reading one of the articles you picked out here, and you, you said that when you started racing in France, you, the peloton was moving five miles an hour, aver- on average, faster than you were used to. And five miles an hour for anyone in those, is a, it's like night and day, isn't it? It's such well, a it big, is really, yeah. It's but it, it was that sort of a, an effect it had on us anyway. Modern cycling, the modern peloton is very specialised, isn't it? Yes. You know, the days when, the days when um, Eddie Merckx could win everything going, mm-hmm. they're, they're finished. The days when Sean Kelly could win a Go grand on, yeah. tour, mm-hmm. that, that's finished. Yes. Um, if, you, if you put Brian Robinson into the modern peloton, what, what, where do you fit in? What, what? I wouldn't, because I like to be free and easy. And I, 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 I would never, uh, well, permit is a strong word, but somebody to tell me what to do. Yeah. I've never been like that. I've always done my own thing, which in some cases hasn't been right, of course, but uh, follow my own direction, if you like. Uh, so I would rib against that. And I think quite a few people have done, haven't they? Like uh, Adam Blythe, for example. Yeah. He, he couldn't bear the... Uh, the, the regimented, the regimented yeah. source. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've always been dependent on myself and done the, done the right thing as far as hard work and training goes. You know, might not have always done the right thing in the race, but uh, mm. we were free. And for example, my director sport, he's never said you've got to win this or you've got to do that or you've got to do this. You say keep an eye on so and so. He's going well. See how he goes. You know, but if he didn't go well in the first two days, you were on your own. You, you did your own thing. You know and looked after yourself, which, which is another thing. You have to be selfish mm. uh, to, to be at the top, really. Uh, and a lot of top people get criticised for that, don't they? But you have to be. There's no way around that, in my view. Yeah. 
you know, you have to be focused on yourself and, and doing everything that, that uh, makes you better. Mm. And just finally, the climb up to Holmmoss. For a long time, you had the, uh, the, the record. And how long did that record stand for? Uh, not long, actually, because uh, uh, I don't think I got it in the... Uh, no, the championship was never on Holmmoss until the following year or following two years, and then Ronnie Strong, Stringwell did a three, uh, six minutes three, yep. which was good, really good. <laughs> well, it had to be ended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was a specialist climber, of course. Uh, yeah. And you uh, wouldn't quite class yourself as a... No, I just, we just mix it in, yeah. 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 Well, you saw me climbing up Holmmoss. Yes. You were there at the top, Brian, yeah. with the flag, yes. <laughs> cheering us all on. <laughs> I'm just a bit disappointed you haven't um, given me any recognition or praise or, or <laughs> appraisal of my performance at all. But um, It's because my lips were frozen. <laughs> <laughs> that is a horrible climb. It goes on. Uh, it's just the wind, isn't it? The wind, yeah. It's nice on a calm day. Do you get calm days? Oh, yes. Well, I must have had, when I got the record uh, at that time, I must have had a reasonable... You must have had a howling tailwind. You didn't have to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. You didn't have to battle. I don't remember. (laughs) Nothing like the conditions I had to brave today. (laughs) Cheers, Brian. So there you go. That was apropos of nothing. But television's a funny thing, isn't it? So Mm. we're talking about the bike channel. You know, and I, it's a subject that I, I slightly wanted to touch on actually when we were in Antalya, mm. um, because it's amazing what we can, how many bike races, including like French one day races and lesser French stage mm. races now are televised. Yeah. And, and, and the new race, you know, in um, Galicia, mm. the Caminha, the whatever that came into existence you know, a couple of weeks ago, that was televised. Yeah. Full spec. And without television, you know, the race might as well not exist. It's, mm. you, know, you need, you need that. And it's incredible that GCN Eurosport, um, to whom I willingly and happily subscribe and it's great mm. value. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of our friends, uh, and colleagues yeah. uh, do excellent work on that channel. Mm. And I'm a regular and addicted viewer mm. of that channel. Um, but what's quite interesting about their business model that, you know, they, they, Principally, they're, they're about getting people's email addresses mm-hmm. and, and getting them to subscribe. That's mm-hmm. clearly, I think we all understand mm-hmm. that, how they are, you know, moving towards profitability and that's their, their business model. And they're using cycling mm-hmm. is what they're selling, road racing. Um, what's really interesting about that though is that they buy the broadcast rights mm-hmm. for the biggest races and they probably, I have no idea what they pay for them, but it's, yeah. I do know vaguely what ITV pay mm-hmm. for, for free to air rights mm-hmm. for the races that we have. And it's a lot of money. And I would imagine there's a lot of money being paid by GCN Eurosport mm-hmm. for, if you like, the Tour de France, yeah. the Giro d'Italia, mm-hmm. the Flanders Classics, the Vuelta. It's a chunk of change. Uh, uh, but that's kind of probably where it starts to stop. Yeah. And I d- I'm, I'm speculating. I don't know entirely at what point you reach this tipping point between races which have an intrinsic value mm-hmm. for which the broadcaster must pay. Mm-hmm. And when that paradigm flips yeah. and the races which actually... And I think this will surprise some people. Um, pay to be on GCN Eurosports. Yeah. And what's quite interesting about that, when we were with the race director in Turkey, David, he said that he, um, you know, he wants to grow this four-day stage race, Antalya. Um, but in order to do that, he would, he, you know, wanted it to be on the Eurosport network. Mm-hmm. In the end, it was put out, if you remember, free on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't afford to pay them. Mm. I think they were asking for 150,000 euros. 100,000 or 100,000. Six, six figures, figures anyway. Yeah. Uh, euros. And it's interesting that, isn't it? W- at what point a race. Yeah. It's interesting. So it's whether GCN Eurosports, there's, there's a mix at what point, and it's, you're right about that tipping point. Do you want to, uh, support some races to get off the ground with a kind of a more, with a, with a longer, say a longer tail or, do you kind of, cause I guess if you're asking the race to, when it, when it's so small and it's not got off the ground, you might think, well, if I give, if we give you free to air, then you're going to use that to get sponsorship money. And we're securing the future of the race. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, uh, but, or <clears throat> if you're cynical, what are you going to do with that sponsorship money? We're essentially giving you by giving you f- the exposure, the exposure. Yeah. And so I guess. There's that, and that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a real tightrope that one, mm. because some of those small races, 
you you might think, well, maybe GC and Eurosport could have a portfolio mm. of kind of smaller races that they've got a longer lead time on. Mm. They go, we can help you kind of get off the ground and give you some exposure. But there will need to be a commitment in year, a smaller commitment year two, three, four. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky business model because I guess in the altruistic sort of, or for the greater good, you'd say for the small races, yeah, we'll put you on. And if you're doing this commentary and all, all we're giving you is access to our audience. Yeah. Um, in order to help you get this race off the ground, then go for it. Yeah. But you know, it's not, yeah, it, I don't know. It's not, it's not something I wasn't aware of. I and mean, I do remember in the early days of the tour of Britain yeah. coming onto ITV, I do remember that that was delivered essentially free of charge to ITV. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changed. I, mean, I think ITV contribute. Mm-hmm. So pay. Um, mm-hmm. The tour of Britain's ratings juggernaut. You know, it does really yeah. big numbers. It does not. And quite rightly, I think ITV contributes to yeah. towards that. Uh, but in the early days, you know, it was basically, but at no point was, <laughs> was the Tour of Britain charged to broadcast on ITV. Yeah. So it's a kind of, um, it's an interesting talking point and it's kind of unique to cycling where, you know, everything's dependent on brand exposure and there are no tickets to be yeah. sold and no turnstiles to go through mm-hmm. and everything. So there's no other income revenue other than, you know. Well, this is the, this is the elephant in the room, elephants in the room, isn't it? Because GCN Eurosports, can charge races to because they own that audience and that gets exposure that allows the race to get the sponsorship which pays the people in the race etc so that's the business model uh, tour de france they sell the rights to the itv to the NBCs, to all these channels and they take the money the people in the race the bike race the teams never see any of that money yeah and this is what they call the revenue sharing which other sports have ended up being greatly successful from premier league to Major League Baseball to NBA to yeah, but then the the, the, the ASO would say, yeah, well, you you don't, you know, what we give you mm. is this gigantic platform. Well, your team wouldn't exist weeks. without Tour de France. Y- yeah, because most, yeah, most yeah, sponsors yeah. wouldn't come in without the Tour de France. Exactly. So, so the know, ASO yeah. can justifiably, that's, I think, just sit there and I go mean. Yeah. and go. Well, tough luck. That's it's, just such know. a strange model. And, yeah. and again, this is what the disc I'm talking about TV, this idea of this Netflix series that's, that was such a great success for Movie Star. Yeah. Movie Star. And they're talking about doing one at the Tour de France, like a Drive yeah. to Survive. Yeah. That would be amazing. But then at the same time, that's an ASO Netflix initiative. Yeah. And rightfully so, the team should be saying, well, if you're going to put your cameras in bed with us, what are we getting out of what this? What are we getting out of it? Yeah. Because yeah. we know how much money Netflix have got. We know how much money ASO has got. Uh, yeah. And, and um, hence, yeah. not all of them have signed up, have they? No, Far no, from no. it. No. I and mean, I know that UAE haven't, yeah. and they'll probably win the race. So that, yeah. how do you tell the story without the race? Well, wasn't that a bit like Lewis Hamilton with Drive Five at the beginning? He Don't wasn't oh, was he not involved. involved? Right. He was just, because the, the winners tend not to be. Yeah. I don't need the attention. They're already winning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I don't need to. Well, yeah. why, why? It's like, yeah. it's like EF all over it. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of motorsport, MotoGP. Yes. This is a great one. So this is one of our ardent listeners. A listener. A listener. A very loyal listener. A very loyal who listener. Who I've not met. And I, Who's on a very long drive. Yeah. Simon, yeah. Simon Patterson. Mm. Is the man in question. So I've been following him for ages on Twitter, and I do wonder, and Simon, please excuse me if uh, this was the case, and I've forgotten if if I met Simon at Valencia Grand Prix many years ago, it would be like 2006 or 2007. Yeah. I don't know if it was Simon, but I remember meeting a, a, a photographer that covered MotoGP, yeah. and he had a house in Drona at the time. Yeah. So it might not have been Simon, because Simon didn't mention that. But anyway, he's a MotoGP uh, photographer, who's, well, he can explain the mission he's on. Absolutely. Let's hear from Simon. Good morning, Ned and David. My name's Simon, a long-time listener, first-time caller to the podcast. Um, And I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update of, of what I'm doing while catching up on some back episodes at the minute. Uh, I'm a a freelance MotoGP journalist, so uh, I travel around covering two-wheeled races, although slightly faster than than some of the the ones that I like catching in my free time as a massive cycling fan, although I've uh, I've seen Mark Cavendish sprint, and it's not that much slower, trust me. Um, But right now I'm I'm on a journey that's something a little bit more serious. Um, I have some friends who live in Odessa, in the, the southern southwest corner of Ukraine. It's a, a major port city that the, the Russians have been closing in on over the last few weeks. 
Um, so between that, between having quite decent social media following through my work and through not being very good at sitting on my hands and doing nothing, I've, I've decided to uh, do what I do best and talk crap on social media and drive. Um, I put a, a bit of an appeal a few weeks ago, a few days ago now, uh, asking for people to, to help me fundraise. We collected about £17,000, which is remarkable, just incredible generosity, and I'm, I'm overwhelmed by it. Uh, I'm currently sitting in Telford, outside a medical supplies company, loading up the vehicle with uh, with as much emergency medical kit as we can so we can get a hold of. And the next stop is Poland, uh, heading for the, the Polish-Ukrainian border, um, through actually through a part of Poland I've been to before to catch the the tour of Poland in 2020 whenever uh, whenever I went to watch Mark Cavendish riding for Barry and Merida um, so it's it's familiar roads and probably familiar roads to a few of the peloton as well so yeah we um we've we've loaded up and we're we're heading out to deliver some stuff that my friends can get delivered then through what seems to be a bit of an informal courier network that sprung up in in Ukraine so uh, yeah trying to do something um like i said we've we've raised a huge amount of money so far it's been incredible but if any of your if any of your kind listeners would like to to donate a little bit more we're either going to make a second run or we're going to donate the the surplus to one of the many refugee charities um if you if you head on to my twitter account it's twitter.com forward slash denkmit d-e-n-k-m-i-t you'll see the the top link on there has all the details for how to donate um yeah uh, thank you in advance for for anything at all you can do to help us and thank you ned and david for being kind enough to to let me come and plug our little trip uh on my favorite podcast um so the, 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 the fundraising initiative that Simon mm. mentioned there in that clip, I will put it in the show notes. Yeah. Get behind it. I mean, mm. I know that Simon's not alone in, 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 you know, leaving these shores and actually taking, you know, stacking up transit vans full of mm. stuff. The numbers of people who are doing it. It's mad, isn't it? Off their own bats or just, yeah. you know, supporting charities who are doing it is mm. absolutely incredible. And I'm kind of humbled by it actually. Yeah. And, and, and don't just, don't just, don't just listen to this bit of the podcast and not. Mm. go to the show notes and donate a fiver mm. don't do that actually do it mm. it's not just lip service that we're paying here i'll i'll do it as well yeah, i'll, I'll chip well. in yeah. and um let, let, let's make sure that um he gets a little philip from mm. listening to and also <laughs> he's actually listening to this podcast on the road on the drive yeah, yeah. concentrate on the driving simon yeah <laughs> don't wake up give yourself a slap <laughs> wind the window down and put your head out the window for a bit to keep your eyes open It'll be one of those, won't it? And he's heading, you know, the people he's supporting are in Odessa. My word. Yeah. I mean, that's the next in line for Putin's army. And I, I, um, I remember when I was studying a, a little module at university on avant-garde cinema. Mm. Um, I studied and wrote about Sergei Eisenstein's masterpiece, Battleship Potemkin, which mm. tells the story of the um, Russian Civil War mm-hmm. and the way that the uh, Bolsheviks were, uh, the, the people actually were exterminated by the white Russian army mm. in Odessa by a firing squad on, on the Odessa state. And there's a famous sort of five minute sequence of film in which, and this was made in 1926, I think, or something, maybe, maybe earlier than that. Um, Eisenstein's film, but if you go online and have a little look, I tweeted a link to it the other day. It's an amazing sequence, and it's um, heartbreaking to think that uh, Odessa is on the brink of being encircled once again. So that's a really downbeat ending to what we were hoping would be an upbeat and nice podcast. So I'm losing my way here, David. Help me out. Help me out! You've been having Singapore fried noodles every day. Every day, and porridge in the morning. And, and doing sport. And doing sport. Zwifting yeah. my life away in getting my hotel stronger. room. Getting stronger. Still getting stronger? Still getting stronger. Where's the, when's the plateau going to... By now, I think. <laughs> oh, God. So you're making huge gains. I've made the, the, the significant gains, uh, I think, are done. Right. I'm now moving into the marginal territory, and I'm, I'm about to enter the struggle phase that I've got to persevere through before hitting the next ascending spiral. 
And it's May the 14th. May the 14th is D-Day. It's, it's D-Day. It's where I'm going to do my 10-mile time trial. And, and have you recalibrated? That's quite soon now, isn't it? It's a couple yeah, of months. Have you recalibrated your months, expectations? No, I'm still going to try and do 30 mile an hour average. Yeah. Okay. I, well, it, I, yeah, as I've said, I'm, I'm going to have the advantage of factor Hanzo bike and the speed suit and yeah. all this specific training I'm doing and... And I've just got to keep at it. And that's the hardest thing. So I haven't done this in a while. And that's the challenge is kind of, we've got to do this now for another two months. And I hope, I think I'm into it and I'm loving it. And I genuinely think that uh, I've broken the back of it because I'm in the habit. And when I get home, I'll be out on the bike and I can actually enjoy the fitness out on the bike. Okay. So I've literally just been doing Zwift the first two weeks Cool with training programs. It's super easy. It's hard. It's easy to do. Are we going to pod again at the weekend? Yeah, Sunday. On Sunday. So on Sunday we're doing it. We're going to have a, a, a guest on, a guy called Andrew, Andrew O'Neill, who lives in Ealing, because we're in Ealing, um, who's a headmaster of a local school. And it's a great story. And he's a cool. keen cyclist. Brilliant. And so it'll be really nice to have him in. And he's going to come visit in the studio and watch the race. Brilliant. And we can chat to him afterwards. And, and remind me, because I've got some business news to announce. Oh, yeah. What a, business A theatre tour. Theatre tour? I'm coming oh, back in the autumn. You're coming back? It's happening? Yeah. And is it, I haven't written the show, David. That's standard. Yeah. What is the show? It's called. <laughs> it's called Retour de Ned. Oh, nice. Yeah, because the last one three years ago was called Tour de Ned. You oh, see what I've done there? That's, that's nice. It's, it's really you're getting for Revolta or anything. Twenty-nine dates, David. Nation, nationally. nationally, nationally, and I'm going to announce them one by one on Sunday Pod. Oh, that's brilliant. That'll buy us loads of time as well that's if I say great. it slowly. That's slowly. really good. Yeah. Like a kind of... Remind and can me you, to do that. Can you give us a little teaser of what the show's going to be? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just a teaser. Yeah. I could do a Peter Sagan impression, except I've forgotten how to do it. You have to do something else really, Yeah. After some, it's true. He's part. He's never going to yeah, win another no, bike race. I know. It's gone. So, yeah. 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 Very good. All right. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 